All right. So this morning, um, I want to start our first in-person service with a tone, setting a tone for the fall. Because the tone has been set for us, and some of us have bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And it's time to reshape and redirect our tone for the future, our worries, the messaging that's been given to us through covid and it's, it's been nasty. There have been relationships that have been deeply hurt. There are people that are disrespectful on both sides of the arguments. They push their view for pro and they push their view for con. How about we just don't push? How about we just stop and be loving? If you can tell that the person doesn't want to talk about it, don't talk about it. But didn't you know? Shut up. Can I say that in church? <laughs> so the tone I want to set is drawing us back to the one who is our shepherd. And in honor of Carol, uh, that's, why, that's why I'm doing this. Because she loved the Psalm 23. I, I taught on it briefly a number of years ago. And she asked, oh, could you do that again sometime? It just never got to it. So Carol, this is, this is for her and her honor. But I think we're all going to learn something from this. Because... There's somebody watching out over us, and when we have our attention focused on the one who is our true caregiver, then our eyes are not distracted to all the battles around us and the storms around us. Just like Peter coming out of the boat, you know, hey, Jesus, is that, if that's you out in the water, can I come to you? And Jesus says, come. Now, I don't know if he really said just that one word. That's just the translation, interpretation of a, uh, of a Bible. What could have really happened? Yo, Peter, yeah, come on, man. Like, I don't know. However they do it in Hebrew. Cometh hither. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I bet you it was a little more real and tender. Remember, it's a storm. He steps out on, a, on the water and he's, I'm, okay, first of all, he's probably freaking out on that first step, right? Wouldn't you? You'd be freaking, I'd be freaking out. So he gets on the water, and I don't know if he had to fight for balance or not. I, have you ever thought about that? Just think for a minute. If you're on the water, do you, do you, do you walk on the wave? Do you step over? I don't know. Like, it's actually kind of funny if you think about it. But anyway, um, he took his eyes off Jesus at one point, and he noticed the storms around. That's what the, that's what the story tells us. And COVID's just a storm. The crises, the arguments, they're just storms. Stop looking at the storm. Start looking at the one who gives us peace. Those of us who've just had loss, like your husband just passed away. You know, that's a storm. Carol just passed away. That's a storm. And we can make a list. Each of you have your stories. I want to read this thing from Henry Nowen before I begin my Psalm 23 discussion. I think this is... Read it, but I want to share this. This is really good. Joy and sadness are as close to each other as the splendid colored leaves of a New England fall to the somberness of barren trees. When you touch the hand of a returning friend, you already know that he will have to leave again. When you're moved by the quiet vastness of a sun-colored ocean, you miss the friend who cannot see the same. 
who cannot see the same. Joy and sadness are born at the same time, both arising from such deep places in your heart that you can't find words to capture your complex emotions. But this intimate experience in which every bit of life is touched by a bit of death can point us beyond the limits of our existence. It can do so by making us look forward in expectation to the day when our hearts will be filled with perfect joy, a joy that no one shall take away from us. Now that's called hope. So the shepherd thing. <laughs> Psalm 23. This is usually read at uh, an occasional wedding, but usually at funerals because it's dealing with difficulty. And unfortunately, there's one line in there that uh, people, um, you know, he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, that one, so they read it at funerals. But the misunderstanding there is that there's a dead end. But that's not what the verse says. It says he walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say there's a dead end at the end. It's a valley. You just keep walking. It's, it's not the crisis. The crisis is the storm. And he walks with us through it. And so it tends to be read at most, most funerals. But there's much more to it. What if, for many of us who've heard this psalm over and over and over again, how many times have you been in a service or at a funeral or some kind of ceremony, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many times have you seen the movie clip at a funeral graveside? The Lord is my shepherd in a really boring suit and the guy has a monotone voice. You know, it's like, you just go, okay, yeah, yeah. The Lord is my shepherd, blah, blah, blah. And we just don't think anything of it. I want us to pause this time. I'm gonna, today I'm going to do something odd. I'm going to read through Psalm 23 three times in three different translations to give you a new lens to hear it a different way than you're used to, and maybe that will inspire some of the depth that I find in the actual words. So what about this word shepherd? The word most commonly used for shepherd is taken from the root word raha, which is also Hebrew for best friend. Interesting. The unique term for shepherd is um, lover of the flock. I can't pronounce any of that. Um, it teaches us that the shepherd was not just responsible, the overseer, but a caring father figure tending to the flock out of a deep sense of love. Shepherds were also fierce protectors of their flocks. Jesus is the fierce protector of his people. This psalm is written by a man who took care of sheep. He knew all the details and all the needs of sheep and wrote from a sheep's perspective. He wasn't writing as the shepherd. He was writing as one being taken care of because he saw all the work that goes into taking care of sheep and they don't appreciate it. It's like parenting. So anyway, just moving on quickly. It's, it's there. And so here David's writing from the perspective of a sheep. Speaking of his heavenly father as the great shepherd, this is others-centered love completely. It's brilliant. All right. Let's do this. Let's do the most traditional one first, the King James Version. Uh, it is a great translation for the eloquent way it is written. So those of you that are familiar with this, you'll, you'll love this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still 
waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod, not rod, but thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. <laughs> thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good old traditional reading. But let's take a look at the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation has a more of a softer spin. It's removed all the thou willest and stuffeth completely if and made it more modern. And there's value to that. Now, there's been updated translations. There's been a lot more history done since the King James Bible that was written in 1611. So that still has value. But deeper meaning and better, more accurate translated words have come about. And so this next translation is definitely um, the next more contemporary version that I think you're going to love. Because it words it just a bit differently. The Lord is my shepherd. See, no difference yet. <laughs> Just kidding. I have everything that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I love that one. I love this, this, this line here. Uh, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. The other translation says he'll follow how many parents have ever walked their kids to school? Okay, a few of you. And has there been a time where your kid wanted to go on their own without a parent? I'm big enough. I can go on my own now. How many times has that happened? Okay. But moms still follow. They kind of follow. That's not what the follow is. I think this is far more accurate. It says he'll pursue. He's going after you. That's what the love of God's like. That's why I love that word pursue there. <laughs> anyway, the next one. This one's a little more wordy and probably the translation's even more accurate. Some of you may or may not like it. If you like tradition, 
plug your ears for a few minutes. But if you're teachable, listen carefully. There is power in this translation. And it says it eloquently. Oh, I probably will never use this translation at a public service because most people are used to the traditional reading. So there's value for that. So I do that. But for here, I want you to hear it yet another way. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. Do you remember at the beginning when we talked about shepherd being best friend? They used that and put that right in there. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love Pursue me, I love it, all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Wow. I, I didn't read the end part. I just, I liked the beginning and assumed it would be good, but wow. What'd you think? Was it neat hearing three different translations that are definitely different from each other? This is more devotional. That's what this one is. I hope you caught the value of multiple translations. Now, if you really want a longer one, I think the uh, uh, Amplified Bible is probably the absolute longest one ever. <laughs> it just it takes every word and adds 10 more. It's kind of funny. But I hope you heard the intent of this psalm. Somebody's pursuing you. The love of God's with you will never leave you or forsake you. That's really important, no matter what you're going through. I love this last line. When my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. This, this is about the love of God impacting our emotions, mind, will, emotions, even our physical needs. He cares for all that. And that's what this whole, this whole thing. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's dig in. We're only going to cover a couple of verses because... Time is kind of running out fast. <laughs> it's what? All right. Let's talk about, I'm going to use the King James Bible as my foundation for walking through this, but some of the notes I'm going to talk about come from uh, other translations. <laughs> Mike, that's so cute. <laughs> He's carrying his baby back there, and it's so cute anyway. In person, yes. <laughs> oh, man. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord. It's a title. Uh, what people forget is, even in English culture, they, they call themselves lords. You know, Lord Bathenrosh. <coughs> Lord whatever. But that's not how it was used in biblical times. <coughs> there was a sense of the Lord being the existing one, the Jehovah. Is my shepherd, best friend. This, this is... This is a big deal because if it's just the static, cold Lord, it's almost like a distant, animate thing that's unreachable, not connected. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you hear a, a, there's a judge, right? So the judge is up in the chair. You, you can't get near the judge. That's a, that's a do not stay near. Like you stay far away and obey the rules. And that can happen too. Woo. Wasp. Sorry. <sighs> I'm allergic to bees, or at least I used to be. <laughs> but the idea of the Lord begins with the one who is the great provider. The one that has been spoken about. Because when David wrote this, this he, he knew who the Lord was. And then he says, I shall not want I lack nothing. What a wonderful declaration of your life or over your life. To never be in lack, always possessing more than enough. Our God meets our emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Now, I can hear somebody balk at this. <clears throat> they could say, hey, I've got a lot of needs and my needs are not being met. And you can start to make your list of, I'll call it the whining list. Because honestly, it's a self-centered way to view your own needs. All you got to do is look around the world and see what people don't have. And you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I am rich. Take a look at our friend Robinson in Pakistan. Well, no longer in Pakistan. But not having the freedom, true freedom. And we, we're fighting over, well, I have a right to this or that. It's like, really? You're going to go there? I'm tired of the arguments of rights. You've given up all your rights. If you are a believer, my goodness, you really have given up your rights. I like what Bruxy Cavey wrote recently. He said, your right to worship Jesus has not been taken away. That's the summary of what he had said. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the next couple parts of his blogs. But you have not been denied the right to worship Jesus at all. So... And my, my response to that is, so come on, quit using that argument. It was Jesus who actually submitted himself to the governments. A government that was horrific. You think we got bad government. We got a great government. Both U.S. and Canada have amazing governments compared to the government Jesus submitted to. A Roman army, horrific legalistic Jewish system. He submitted to them. What about my rights? So take your eyes off of yourself for a moment and look around you. When you take your eyes off yourself, you almost start to have compassion, become more human again. It's really true. And here, I shall not want. Some people say, I, I don't have food, I don't have housing, I don't. And some of those things are legit. But most of the people I hear complaining are those that are saying, 
I want more. <laughs> I see, ooh, I see what they, I want, I want, they, I want what they have. <clears throat> That's what I'm seeing. Rick came from China. And uh, how, how big is it, an average room in your house? Or how, how many square feet is the whole house, roughly? Just a good guess. So homes here are much bigger. It's 100 square meters. Okay. Yeah. And how many people living there? Yeah. So we got these castles we live in here. <laughs> like, really? So the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Maybe, maybe we should actually think about it. I shall not. I shall not want for more than what's already been provided. <laughs> okay, that's a whole sermon. We'll just move on because that one can, we can get stuck on. <laughs> he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Well, something you need to know about sheep, and David knew this. First of all, sheep are one of the dumbest animals on any farm. Any farmers here? No. But if you've ever taken care of sheep, they're one of the dumbest animals on any farm. They startle easily. They get into trouble all the time. They uh, uh, get their you know, heads uh, stuck in brushes and thorns and fences, if you have fences. You name it. They just are dumb. Oh, wait. Who calls us sheep? Oh, I'm kidding. All right. Um, but the idea of the shepherd knows all of these needs. He also knows that they're very, very picky eaters. If you've ever seen a goat on a farm, they'll eat anything, including your clothes. But sheep, they want the good stuff. They want the good food. Are you seeing a comparison here with kids? <laughs> Sometimes they're really picky eaters. But the shepherd also knows that when a sheep is fed well, they will also rest well, which also makes for much better wool. See, there's a method to the madness. Keep them fed well, watered well. And if they're hungry or, or not able to rest, they're not going to digest well. It's just going to be difficult. That's, that's how it works with sheep. Sheep are fearful. So what happens with the fearfulness? They're also known to be deathly afraid of rushing water. If there's a, a, a flood river or something that's with lots of rapids and stuff, their sheep are not going to go and drink from that water. They'll just not drink anything. Even though they could probably reach and get a set. I don't know. They won't do it. But a shepherd knows that. And a good shepherd will carve out a small dam and create a pool of still water. How many times have you been to a beach with the kids and they build this castle and a moat and, and all this stuff. But they got to get water to it. So after they're tired of running and getting buckets of water, they, they trench out this long trench all the way down to the water's edge. And hopefully the water comes flooding up whenever the waves come up. And, you know. It's a still water. It's not as scary as the lake. And a good, caring shepherd thinks of all of those micro details. The sheep don't even know their needs. Children do not know their needs. But the good shepherd does. We don't need to be afraid of the future. That's not easy to say because I've had many moments of my own fear of the future. <laughs> Some of us are really good at that. <laughs> we future trip, fantasy thinking, 
dreaming up things that probably will never happen and live in that fear. We're not created for that. We're designed to live by faith, the faith of the Son of God. It's incredible. Springtime, green meadows. A good shepherd knows where a pasture is, where to pasture the flock. These green meadows would be a resting place, free from all fear. The Greek verb to love is agapo, which is a merging of two words, two concepts. Ago means to lead like a shepherd, and peo is a verb that means to rest. Love is our shepherd leading us to the place of true rest in his heart. Now, I, that section there, um, I didn't see until after I had already created my title for the series. The Shepherd, how Psalm 23 is all about agape love. And suddenly there it was in the notes. Agape love is other-centered. Love is patient, love is kind. Remember that one? We've talked about it many times. It is an others-centered love. The Greeks have seven or eight words for the word love. In English, we have one. I love hamburgers. I love my wife. It's not, they shouldn't be the same word. <laughs> See? <laughs> that look above the mask. <laughs> so they also have word, like the word phileo, not fish, but phileo means friendship love. Storge is another word that's used for love, but it's a parental love. And then there's eros, you get the word erotic. And then here, the word agape, which is an others-centered love. And that is the essence of who God is. It's his DNA. So today, believe and rest in the fact that your Heavenly Father is providing for all your needs, whether you know it or not. Whether you believe it or not whether you're satisfied with what he's provided or not, that, that's a totally different issue. But you have been provided for. And you're never going to be abandoned. And I think that's something we need to hear today. As we move into the fall, unsure of what, is going to, what things are going to look like, pandemically speaking, don't look at the storm. Look at your shepherd. It's a whole different reaction. <laughs> and the things of earth will go strangely dim. It doesn't mean they'll go away. It just means they'll grow dim in comparison to the light and love of Christ who lives in you. Heavenly Father, I pray today you encourage each person that might be discouraged, angry, frustrated, tired, unwilling to humble themselves. Hope, speaking words of bonding, not <clears throat> words of separation and discontent. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.